You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, guys, we have Brooks Harlan from The War on Women, and what a fucking awesome band this is. This is a band that was introduced to me uh, by Jim Ward from At the Drive-In Sparta, um, and Brooks turns out to be one of his best friends, and had connected us together because I asked Jim, who else should I talk to, you know, on this, uh, on this podcast? Cause Jim had never done a podcast before. And I was the first one he did and, uh, kind of breaking him into that scene and he had a great time. So, uh, he suggested Brooks. So Brooks and I connected, it didn't work out at the time. Uh, we had, I had a bunch of stuff going on and, and tons of stuff, uh, in the can. So I was trying to get through those episodes, uh, but Brooks hit me, hit me back up about coming on the show and we made it happen. And I'm really glad we did because it was a fantastic episode and what an amazing guitar player this guy is. You guys, if you have not heard war on women, go check it out. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. If you like, like, uh, Man, I, he reminds me a lot of like the Jesus Lizard and that really like angular guitar playing, but he has this melody with it that just hooks you. And I can't, I can't describe it any different. I, it's, it's it, you'll have to hear for yourself. Anyways, War on Women, amazing band. Brooks, amazing dude. Thanks to Brooks for coming on the show. Thanks to Jim for hooking us together. Um, but I'm stoked for you guys to hear it. And I know this episode's coming out on a Monday, 
but it is election week and I did not want to put something out the normal Tuesday on the election day and uh, we just need to see how things play out. So uh, that is why you're getting this a little bit early. But I figured if you guys aren't into that stuff and want something to take your mind off whatever's happening, this would be a good way to do it with an awesome episode with an awesome dude. So anyways, thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. Thank you so much for reviewing the show, rating the show, buying shirts. People have been buying shirts like crazy. Uh, I'm so stoked to see that because then we can make more cool stuff for you guys. And the support means a lot. So thank you so much for that. Uh, let's get some business out of the way real quick, and then we're going to dive in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. You can uh, get anything you need there, merch, all the shows on a, on a media player, everything. It's, it's totally simple. Um, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email address. If you need to get a hold of me, guest ideas, suggestions, comments, questions, uh, send them my way. I love hearing from you guys, and I'm really trying to respond to all my emails in a timely manner. But I'm sorry if, if I've missed uh, replying to you. It's not for any other reason than I've just been swamped and trying to find time to get through all this. So um, as you know, we're all in a crazy time. I am as well. I'm not immune to it. So uh, some things get put on the back burner briefly, but it will not be for long. So, all right, guys, election week, try to stay calm, whatever happens. I mean, I, I love each and every one of you. We're fighting the same battle, and uh, I, I just really – Hope you guys have a great week. I'm throwing this at you a little early. Hopefully it gives you some peace and some perspective and uh, some normalcy for a minute before things go crazy. So anyways, guys, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Brooks Harlan from War on Women. man dude i am always on time <laughs> <laughs> Five thirty on the dot i just sat down good, good timing dude right on yeah i i there's a joke between uh dan sanshot equal vision and i that uh we have a weekly call um and he every time he picks up the phone he doesn't even say hello he just says right on time <laughs> <laughs> So well, yeah. we're second that. Yeah, I told him if uh, for some reason I missed the call, I'm either dead or I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, 
Yeah, man, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. We get to do this. I it's been a long time coming, and and uh, yeah, it was it was crazy today. Just opened up like real quick, and I was like, man, I wonder maybe we can squeeze them in this week instead of next week. And uh, yeah, it worked out good for me because uh, I um, I my shop works by appointments, and I my last appointment was at four o'clock, and I had nothing else, so worked out well. Right on, dude. Well, I want to get into all that too because you've got some of the best tone I've ever heard, and uh, it's <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. Ridiculous, but uh, yeah, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, welcome to the show, man. I, I'm shout out to Jim Ward for hooking us together, and uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm stoked. So cool. Tell me, tell me. I mean, let's start this off, man. Tell me, tell me where you come from. You're from. You're in Baltimore now, right? Uh, yeah, I live in Baltimore. Um, I've been here since, um, oh man, you know what? I got to start my end. I'm sorry. I didn't start recording. Oh, <laughs> uh, there we go. Let's start over. <laughs> Perfect. Well, dude, sorry about that. Yes. No problem at all. But, uh, yeah, dude, tell me, tell me about where you come from. Uh, where I come from? Well, um, I grew up in El Paso, Texas, uh, and that's that's my Jim Ward connection. Um, he and I um, went to preschool together. Um, our parents were friends, and uh, so I've I've literally known him my entire life. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> we, you know, we grew up together and, uh, I lived in El Paso until the minute I could leave El Paso, which was when I graduated high school. Uh, then I went off to college at Texas tech, uh, and was there for four years, then lived in North Texas for a couple of years and then moved up to Baltimore, where I am right now, and I've been here for 20 years, so this pretty much feels like home. Yeah, I bet, dude. I'm the same boat. I've been in Portland for 20 years. I lived in Alaska until uh, the moment I could move out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to believe. Uh, you know, I've lived here longer than anywhere, uh, and 2000, the year 2000 really doesn't seem that long ago. Uh but it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you and Jim literally knew each other your whole lives. That's crazy. I, he, I think that's what he mentioned to me is that he's known you his whole life. And I thought he was just being figurative, but, uh, literally. No, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, due, due to our parents being friends, you know, and you know, when your parents are friends, you're going to Fantastic. So where, where, uh, were your parents, I mean, how was your home life? Was it, was it, uh, turbulent? Was it, was it nice? Like, I mean, you said you moved out 
right when you could was that more for the for getting out of El Paso or getting away from from uh, uh, childhood no my well my parents split up uh when I was in about fourth grade um which is an awful time for your parents to split up uh it's like a really like <clears throat> I don't know how old are you when you're in fourth grade like nine yeah something like that because yeah. I, I moved and, yeah I was eleven when I moved out in into sixth grade so yeah somewhere around there yeah eight or nine. yeah so it's a, it's a bad time for your parents to break up and uh I you know years later I realized like how hard I actually took it but at the time you're a kid and you don't know what's going on. You just kind of deal with it. Um, so uh, I was pretty close with my dad up until then, and then he was he was a real old school dude, and I don't think he knew how to handle sort of a modern life of divorced parents, and and so he kind of he kind of was not in my life for a while. So it was, it was me and my mom and my sister in the house, and uh, um, you know, my mom did absolutely the best she could. Um, and you know, things things were not bad at home for me. Uh, it was just, you know, my mom worked all the time, so I never really saw her. And I, me and my sister, kind of had to fend for ourselves. And El Paso is a weird, weird town. And I, another thing I never really realized until I got out of it, um, and I think more than anything, I just wanted to go do something different. I wanted to do something on my own. I wanted to make my own decisions. I think that's really common when you're a teenager and you're finishing high school. And so, you know, I wasn't leaving anything awful or traumatic, um, I just wanted to leave and do my own thing. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's basically the story. Okay. So when your dad, when your dad was, you said your dad was gone for a while, was he still in El Paso or did he leave town? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. My dad was still in El Paso. Wow. Um, and it was a very like, you know, we'd see him like maybe once a month or something maybe not even that for a little while. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird thing. And, um, as a father, I, I have a daughter who's about to turn 17 and wow, I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine just being like checking out, you know, but, yeah. but I'm sure he had his reasons. He, uh, he passed away in 2002 and man, I, I've gone through a lot of, um, you know, self-reflection and a lot of self-discovery since then. And I would love, I would, I would give anything for like five minutes just to sit down and like ask him questions, you know, but yeah, unfortunately that's not going to happen. So Ooh, yeah, get those questions you know? out of your head and get, get the. <laughs> yeah, if, if any way, if everyone could have that, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah, that's why I always You're thank gonna... people so much for their time on this show because oh. I mean, the hour they spend with me, they could be literally doing anything else. And then the hours well. spent by everyone listening, 
they could have been doing something else. Uh, well, that's very true, and know. that's that's in, that's incredible. As somebody who creates this content, um, you that that people give you that time, you know, that's awesome. It's I was nuts. I was just gonna say you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna send me a, a send me a therapist bill after this. <laughs> Dude, no way. And uh, this this show, it's it's morphed into something different than it started out as because it literally, I mean, yeah, if it's the less structure, the further it seems to go. And sure, uh, I, I love that about it. But also, yes, it's 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 kind of my therapy, too, because I, I, I feel like connecting with people on this level really uh it inspires me it terrifies me it, it me but i i leave it inspired and then like you know four yeah. or five hours later i'm back into just being depressed and sad. <laughs> so <laughs> well and 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 to be honest um that's one of the things that uh appeals to me about your show and doing your show and and jim ward is the one that sort of uh you know told me that i should do it because I'm not in my, in the band I'm in, I'm not the guy that does the interviews. Um, and it's because I really don't like, um, the majority of, of interviews sitting down and people being like, you know, like not doing their research and being like, so what do you do in the band? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm, I'm over those questions. And most of the questions I'm asked, you could, you could literally find on Google in two seconds or look at the liner notes and I'm, I'm just done with that stuff, you know? So the idea of the format of your show about just like, I've, I've listened to a few episodes of yours over the past, uh, however many months when we first started talking about me doing the show. And, and, uh, I think it's cool. Like people that I, I either know casually or have never met. Um, I really sort of, get to know them in an interesting way and i'm obviously i'm telling you all this and you already know this but um i think it's cool so kudos to you well dude i i thank you i appreciate that a lot and it's it's stuff like that that keeps me going you know like the the people are enjoying it and of course people that i i want to talk to and that i respect what they do also i mean adds another um uh badge to that that honor you know we're Sure. You know, of course, it's awesome getting an email saying, hey, I love your show. You know, uh, you know, what's this? What's this about? What's this about? But then, you know, when it's someone you 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 really, you know, look up to or admire or, or uh, you know, are into and the fact that they're into it as well is just so crazy to me still. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. So I appreciate that a lot. And, 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 and to be clear, I, I'm perfectly fine talking about the band and what I do. I'm just. I'm, I'm talking about interviews where there's three questions and you carve out this big time in your day and it's like questions that there's no point in answering. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. Just, just to clear that up. Sure. And I wish I could, I mean, if we had Zoom going, you could see I literally have a uh, Diet Coke. I've got a my phone, my recorder, and my <laughs> backpack in front of me. That's <laughs> nice. it. So like... I don't do the note thing. I don't do the, you know, any of that stuff. But I, I used to, and I never used it. So I said, it's just a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. So, sure, um, sure. but dude, so I, I'm a father too. So I, I totally, I share that sentiment with you that I don't know how you could walk away from that. Even in the worst of situations, you know, um, even when it's, you know, a toxic situation for, um, 
you know, to be in the home still with, mm-hmm. with your significant other for the kids' sake, that whole staying together for the kids thing can be really awful. And, but even in that situation where it was so terrible, I couldn't picture myself leaving or not, or just bowing out, you know? Um, and, but I never experienced that in my life from my father. My father was always around, but he passed away last year, or excuse me, a year ago. And, uh, he, he would always just kind of lay down and never, um, kind of put up a fight for, um, in, in an argument. So we kind of just do, okay, whatever you say kind of thing with my mom. Um, mm. so maybe if he would have put a foot down and made a stand on things that he believed in that way, maybe they wouldn't have been together. Um, so I experienced that mm-hmm. and the, the awkwardness of that. Um, uh, but I never experienced what you went through. So, um, and I find that interesting too, that, you, I mean, I don't know El Paso super well, I've been through there on tour a ton of times, and I think the last time I was there, we had like three canceled shows, and we just ended up staying in El Paso and like sleeping in <laughs> both Walmart yeah, parking that's, lots. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a very El Paso story. Yeah, for um, a change of there's scene. nothing else. There's nothing else around there. So if you have, you know, whatever your show in Albuquerque or Phoenix or whatever canceled, like there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just such a, it's a cool town though. I mean, there's stuff to do and like, I mean, the people are great and and it's just, but the one thing I know, I think I talked about this with Jim too, but I'm picturing one of the Walmarts is right next to, I mean, it's really close to, to, uh, uh, Mexico to where, if I'm remembering right, maybe that was another, maybe I'm thinking the wrong town, but we could see like over a fence and it was just like poverty. Over this yeah. fence, and then we're at Walmart yeah. with anything we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a weird. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of El Paso in general. Like, uh, I-10 really kind of runs right next to the border for a section, and uh, you can absolutely just see into a third world country, and uh, you know, people living in in basically cardboard taped together, and you know, it's a it's. It's sobering for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you, and so does that seeing that and having access to just actually seeing that from where you lived, do you think that affected your, your worldview? I mean, do you think that early on or did you think did that kind of blow past you in your, in your adolescence? Well, I can't, I can't imagine that it didn't affect my worldview. Um, at the time I probably wasn't, uh, aware of it and I, couldn't really pinpoint it but but um you know knowing that knowing that even even my I grew up in a pretty modest house in in sort of a suburban neighborhood but knowing that there are people that didn't have that and my mom was able to work two jobs like I said and I knew that that in itself was a privileged place to be that she could find work and she could feed her kids. And, um, there, you know, and, and I'm not even talking about Mexico. There are places in El Paso that are very poor. And, um, I went to a high school that sort of straddled a few areas of the city. And, you know, I had friends that lived in my neighborhood that were, uh, middle class, but then I had friends whose parents were, uh, line cooks and maids and, 
uh, barely scraping by, you know? And so it absolutely shaped my view of, of my, what I had. And, and I, I could be appreciative of what I had and I, and I could recognize the privilege that I had because, because there were people right in front of me that did not have what I had. Um, and you know, I, I've always been a pretty, uh, I guess you could call bleeding heart, you know, like I've always wanted to help people and care about people and other people's well being, And, and I'm sure growing up in that environment, uh, helped that to flower, you know? Yeah. Where, where do you think that initially stemmed from that, that, Bleeding heart, uh, you know, care for care for people. I mean, the, the other uh, thing there too is is a lot of people go through their life without ever noticing their privilege, and the fact oh, that you sure. knew it is fascinating, especially at a young age to even acknowledge that that it is privilege. Like I'm coming at this from a privileged point of of view, a privileged point of uh, of status in the society. Of, of you know noticing that I have a, a modest home and people don't have this even thinking about that as an adolescent is is inspiring because people don't and and, and uh, oh, yeah people go their whole lives I mean how many people in your high school uh, you know did did uh, some of their parents work for the other parents right as as in those positions you were mentioning yeah I don't you know I don't know actually that's an that's interesting crazy. question I, I don't know uh, but uh, yeah, I I don't know I I don't know where it started. Um, you know my my mother and and specifically her mother, my grandmother were very generous and very caring people, and they hated to see almost I mean definitely to a fault they hated to see other people unhappy or unhealthy. Um, and I say almost to a fault, definitely to a fault, because they would they would go out of their way for other people when it was actually unhealthy for them to do so. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, when you see that and you see um, the people that you look up to do those kind of things, you just think that that's the right thing to do. And uh, And I never, you know... Like I said, my father left home when I was nine, and he wasn't a super like macho dude. But going through middle school and high school with like the two most important family figures being women in my life, I'm sure that had a lot to do with uh, me sort of eschewing the the macho guy stereotype, you know? Um, yeah. And. Um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll say something else going back to Jim Ward, his parents, uh, were like a second set of parents for me. Uh, they, his mom and his dad were so always so kind to me. And I mean, I would, there would be times later on in my childhood when I was able to drive that I could just go over to his house and, whether he was there or not. And I would just hang out and they would treat me like one of their own. And, uh, they were both very sweet, very compassionate people. And, um, uh, you know, so I just, I think I had a lot of grownups to look up to, 
And, uh, and so certainly that helped shape me, shape me. And, um, yeah, good question. I mean, I mean, that's where that nurturing side probably came from too, is, is, uh, and the other interesting thing that you're talking about too, is, is that these, these women in your life that were, you know, going out of their way to help people, the way you're describing Mm -hmm. it seems like a big difference between, uh, being a, a, a caring person, just a compassionate person and being a people pleaser. It seems like it was just ingrained in them to be helpful that they weren't trying to be a people pleaser and just like do what anyone wanted. They had a genuine, yeah, they, they genuine want to they, help. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't using it to sort of further themselves yeah. or climb some ladder. Like it was just, that's what you do when you're a good person, you know? Sure. Um, but that nurturing spirit made its way into you being, I mean, being your, um, you know, the socialization you had being with those, you know, strong, caring women, you know, like it, that's, sure. that's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt for sure. I mean, that's something, that's a blessing right there. You know, I've, I've talking with, um, Jason Butler from, uh, the fever three, 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 same, same kind of story where he was raised by his grandmother and, 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 uh, and his mother and, and, I mean, he'll from the stage just call out how how strong, um, you know, and how much of a gift it was to be raised by um, by women. His his father was in prison, and uh, just how that changed his his view of things, and and how sure. it helped him be a compassionate person. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's like doubling yeah, down on the on the the not the softer side, but the the more naturally nurturing side, and. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a blessing right there that, that shaped you into, uh, you know, being just a super compassionate person with, but with eyes wide open, you know, not to be taken advantage of, but, uh, you know, cause of where you came from. I mean, you saw the other side. Um, yeah, sure. it's interesting, dude. That's such an interesting way to, to come up. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, like that. I, I get, I, I guess so. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, when you're young and you're a kid, you don't know any different. That's just your life. And yep, a child uh, doesn't know they're normal. They they learn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like that word normal. I mean, we we use the word typical in my house. I have a special needs son, and and the whole normal. Uh, I mean, what is normal really, right? So we use typical. There, yeah, uh, there, there's no normal. Yeah, everyone's a weirdo. <laughs> exactly. Everyone has problems. Everyone has stuff they hide from people. Everyone has. I mean, regardless of who you are, I, I, I really believe that, but it's, it's what you do with those demons that, uh, you know, really helps the other side shine through. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. But, um, yeah, man. So, and Jim's still in El Paso. Jim's been in El Paso this whole time. So, I mean. Well, listen, Jim is Mr. El Paso. Yes. (laughs) From when, from when we were, uh, in high school, I mean, I was like, look, I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. And he was like, well, like, yeah, El Paso sucks, but like, it's our job to change that. And, you know, my drive to get out and do my own thing was greater, but Jim has never faltered from that, from that philosophy. And I really admire that in him. And he has really done a lot to help the arts community in El Paso, like mm-hmm. in the 25, uh, however many years since I graduated from high school, uh, 
I mean, when I go back to visit, I just, I can't believe some of the stuff that's going on there. And they have music festivals and, and, and arts festivals and all that sort of started. I honestly believe from, you know, Jim opened an excellent like club, a venue there for bands to play. Mm-hmm. And he, at one point he had a studio and at one point he had a really cool bar with a patio. Now he owns a restaurant there that has some of the best like like vegan grub I've had anywhere in the world. Like I I'm I, I love uh like sort of keeping lists of my favorite places to eat around the world and his place is seriously in my top three. Wow. Um and it's not just because he's my best friend. Like if it was terrible I would tell him because I'm very <laughs> honest with him. But it's it's awesome. And yeah. so, you know, I, I really admire that in Jim and uh, you know, he just, you know, like I said, from early teenage years, he was like, like, we can do something about this city. And he did it. And, um, you know, and, you know, I, uh, I, I just, I think that's fantastic. It certainly wasn't my path, but I'm really proud of him for doing that. Sure. Sure. And he's, yeah, it's, he's done exactly that. And it's crazy. And I mean, were you terrified when you left or were you excited? Like, I mean, leaving such a best friend behind, not, I mean, and this was back, you know, before, I mean, this was before like FaceTime and everything else, you know, where you can really keep in touch, you know? Yeah. This was, this was early nineties. Yeah. And, uh, um, I was excited. I was super excited to leave. I was super excited to go out on my own. And, you know, again, I was going to college. I wasn't just like moving away and having no idea what I was doing. So there's still a structure there. Sure. And, uh, and, uh, and I had, you know, I got a little bit of a music scholarship. So I, I felt secure in my decision and what I was doing. Um, but I, I was not, I didn't have any fear or trepidation about leaving and, um, you know, I knew Jim was always a phone call away and, um, yeah, I, I was ready to go. Okay. And so I, I think we passed over an important thing here. You were, you said you got a music school, so you're already playing music. When did that start? When did you start like picking up guitar? Was guitar your first instrument? <clears throat> well, no. So I, I, um, so my, my father actually sang opera and, uh, wow. okay. there was a lot of, a lot of opera in the house being played. So I was exposed very young to music. We had a, we had a family piano in our front room that my mom says I was playing before I could talk. I don't know if that's true, but I've always, I've always gravitated towards music. I mean, from like the age of six, I was like, I want to be a musician. Um, and so I took piano lessons. I was in school band. I played French horn. I played trumpet. Um, I played percussion and, um, and then I, I started playing guitar. I think when I was maybe the summer, my birthday's in June. So I was either 13 or 14 when I started playing guitar. Um, and that was just, that was a result of me trying to impress a girl, uh, which is a funny story. 
Um, and then I sort of took to it. <laughs> Dude, that <laughs> I think I need to hear the story. I, I, I played for uh, trumpet in band and percussion and I started playing guitar when I was 13. Cool. It was, it was, you were saying that I was like, man, this is exactly like my life. Well, you um, know, and it all, and it all sort of came about at the same time. Right. So like about that time, you're sort of dipping the toe, dipping your toe in the waters of, of, uh, of kind of finding yourself. And so, you know, skateboarding got involved in there. Oh yeah. The next biking. And so through that, you sort of discover, um, you know, rock music, punk music, metal music, that's guitar bass, you know, um, and, and being my age, like this was pre Nirvana. So a lot of the music on the radio was pop music, electronic and dance Mm -hmm. music. And so, you know, I, I, I listened to a little bit of rock and roll, but I didn't really, I wasn't super attracted to trying to recreate it. But, you know, when you get, like I said, into skating and BMX biking and and you get out there a little bit and you meet your friends, older brothers, and they're like, you know, check out this band. And then I started hearing like uh, Metallica and Slayer and, and Minor Threat and stuff that like I was like, oh, this, this sounds like something I'd like to, I'd like to recreate, you know? Yeah. And so that's when guitar came into my world. And, um, so the story with me learning guitar is, uh, when I was growing up every year, I'd go to summer camp, uh, and Jim went to the same summer camp and, uh, we had a, no, we were kind of a trio, me and Jim and this guy, Trey lived in Albuquerque. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP 
slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And Trey had an acoustic guitar that he would play when he'd come to camp. And there was this girl that um, I really had a crush on and wait, let me see if I'm getting this straight. Well, it doesn't matter. Nobody's ever going to know if I get it right. But when you got a little older, you would have like 
a, a midwinter camp that you would go to during winter break and then the regular summer camp. So I think at the midwinter break camp, I had a crush on this girl and she was like, oh, Trey is so cool because he plays guitar. And I was like, well, I play guitar. <laughs> you know, just, um but, you know, it's no big deal that I play guitar, too. Just completely lying because I wanted this girl's attention. And so then we went, you know, we left camp. And, and she was like maybe the friend of a friend and wasn't a regular at the camp. So I thought I'd never see her again. So she writes me a letter and she's like, guess what? I'm coming to camp this summer and you can play guitar for me. And I was like, well time to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> and, uh, so trial by fire. That's how it happened. So I, I learned, yeah, I learned to call. I think, you know, I, I messed around like me and Jim were, were sort of learning around the same time. His dad was a musician. So he had guitar and bass laying around the house, I think. And I bought some kind of guitar. And so we, we wrote a couple silly little songs but the first song I learned on acoustic was uh, Skid Row, I Remember You, which oh. was a, a real heart killer. Classic. You know, like you could play that and somebody would just melt. So I learned that whole song and played it. And it, to- it totally worked, by the way. She was my girlfriend for like four days. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so that's how I learned how to play guitar. Man. Um, and, and, you know, I already knew, I was already music literate from other things. And it's, you know, if you're, if you're a multi-instrumentalist, it's like when you pick up a new instrument, you're not learning music all over again. You're just sort of learning the technique of reproducing music through this new thing. Yes. And so I took to it pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it well. <laughs> Dude, you're doing a great job, and uh, that <laughs> I'll remember you till the weekend is what that sounds like with a four day four day relationship. But that that song is a classic for one, and you weren't singing it, were you? Just playing it? Oh, I was singing. Oh you my god, singing. you hit those notes. <laughs> well, that? I'm sure I'm sure at the time I thought I was. Oh, um, god. Man, so, but who knows? Who knows? I, I would if somebody was like, I have a recording of that. I would never want to hear it. I would want it burned. <laughs> wipe it from the wipe it from the uh, history books. Absolutely, dude. I, watching your playing and like listening to your playing for one, but then watching your playing, the way you approach the guitar is really interesting. I, all the stuff you're telling me is, is starting to like fall into place with with you know <laughs> being exposed to pop music, then being like first. Then being either, well, opera, pop music, you know, what's on the radio. And, of course, everything we're exposed to, you know, as kids was was on the radio after that. And then, then, of course, skateboarding, Thrasher Magazine, comps, older brothers, (laughs) older sisters. We start to discover the hard stuff. And But those of us that came at it before getting the hard stuff first approach writing fast and heavy music differently than other people and i see that in you because you have there's so much melody to what you're doing and the 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 concepts you're using when you're when you're creating music you know watching how for for one how you're playing it and then like your 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 note choice and and the composition of it is 
like I just seemed to gravitate towards it more than other things. Like it's, it's oh, wow. your that's, style that's speaks to me Thank that you. way, you know, because I, we come from similar kind of things as far as music, you know, throughout our lives. But, um, you can just tell when someone's got like a, uh, something different going on. I mean, it, but you, I mean, your tone is, has such a, just a ferocity to it, but there's like this beauty in it that, that oh, like wow. hooks you. you. You know what I mean? Before even vocals come in, there's no, nothing about the, and that's not saying anything about the vocals, but like I could just listen to the guitar playing all day long. Like it's just, it, there's so much to, to dissect and then kind of figure out where it comes from. Like, why did he go there? Why did he do that? That is mm, interesting. Wow, that's- like that's guitar playing to me. Like that's, that's like when I think of a good guitar player, like it's not, some like shreddy, uh, you know, uh, virtuoso. It's the person that approaches it like you're doing it, like where it's interesting, like Jim, Jim too. Like, why did he do that? Like, where, where did he pull that from? You know, there's something interesting to it. It's like the, it's like the, um, like walking through a comic book store and you see the one that really like jumps out at you. It's kind of like that with sound. Like it's, it's, um, there's something to it. It just, it just spoke to me and, and I had not heard, war on women before Jim put us together. And I was like, man, I need to check this band out. So I put it in my, my earbuds, uh, at work and started playing. I was like, Jesus, I got, so I had to put it on the speaker at work, uh, for one of my coworkers. Like, you got to hear this tone, like, listen to this. And she didn't get it. <laughs> but, uh, I, I was like, I, like, I need to like show this to people cause it's great. And, oh, uh, that's a lot of uh, there's a lot of big compliments there. I, now I'm gonna send you. Now I'm definitely gonna send you a check. <laughs> um, well, it's it's well, true. I mean, it's something where I mean, there's so much out there. I mean, you got to be kind of uh, more objective to it sometimes, just to to make room for for what you're gonna ingest and what you're not. You know, like like podcasts like you you see someone on you want to hear you'll press play like it's not like the radio where they just give you whatever they'll give you you know sure but there's so much out there you got to choose and so you really latch on to things that kind of speak out to you in a different way than just oh that's pretty cool that was a good beat you know it's like no why did he do that you know that Mm. kind of stuff hooks you and and keeps you there and and that's what i'm getting at i guess in a long-winded way um, well, that's you're that's a good guitar very, player. Very kind. <laughs> Long <laughs> well, story I, short, and and uh, it's awesome that somebody sort of notices those things because thing uh, um, some of the things you mentioned are are conscious on my part. Like I, I um I really do. I really I, like I I I acknowledge that there's a ton of music out there already, right? Yeah. And so I'm not interested in recreating something that's already been done unless there's a reason to do it or an interesting way to do it. And, um, and so the way that I approach guitar is, um, I'm always like every song I I want there to be something I'm, I'm the one playing it. So I want to stay interested for one Mm -hmm. and for two, I want it to, you know, like I wanted to have sort of my little signature on it so that, um, it doesn't sound like just some other band or, you know, and, uh, and it's something that 
maybe not right now at this moment, but something in the past that I've obsessed about, you know? And, uh, and so it's very nice to hear somebody that, you know, notices that that comes through. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it, it took me a long time to sort of figure out exactly what I wanted to do on guitar. You know, I went through a lot of different phases and a lot of types of bands and, um, and I'm, I'm happy with where I've landed or where I am right now. And so, um, yeah, I, I, again, I appreciate all that. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and my, the thing I'm talking about most too, with watching you play, cause I have not seen you guys live is, is I don't know how many times I've watched that audio tree, um, session you guys did because oh. <laughs> there's so, I mean, the video is so good. I love audio tree cause they always do great stuff. Like, and yeah, fantastic oh, people man. too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I can actually like watch kind of what you're doing and, 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 uh, you know, you look comfortable, but uncomfortable at the same time. Like you're comfortable and confident in what you're doing, but there's still enough there to keep you interested and keep you working. And you can tell like, uh, you know, it's not just a muscle memory thing. And that's also cool because mm. it keeps you in the moment, you know, and, 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 and I could be wrong on this, but that's what I gather when I watch you play is I see that like you're comfortable in what you're doing, like you're confident and you know who you are and what you're doing, but at any moment you could completely mess it up. And so there's enough, like <laughs> I'm in the moment to keep going, which keeps you well, present. I do try to stay present. I never, I never want to phone it in or feel like I'm just going through the motions. And, uh, and I, I also try and write stuff that might be just on the sense of, uh, can I actually play this well or not? Right. So mm -hmm. it keeps me invested in what I'm playing and it keeps me trying. And, uh, and so that may have something to do with it. Also that, that audio tree session was very early in the morning for us. And we, we, it was, it's in Chicago and we were starting the tour that day in Chicago. So we hadn't, you know, it, it would have been nice to like play a whole tour and then do that because we would have been nice and tight and relaxed. But we were like, you know, kind of sleep deprived. We'd been driving for a couple of days. We hadn't played together in a few days. And uh, I, I have to say, I'm actually pleased with how well it did turn out. There's a few things that I'm a little, uh, you know, like, like anytime you watch your own performance, I'm, I cringe a little bit, but but it could have been worse. So I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that you enjoyed it. Well, dude. Yeah, of course. And I, I've, and you sold an amp too that day. Is that what I saw That's too? True. Like you sold That's, an amp, uh, come out to audio tree and watch the show and here's your amp delivered. Yeah. Well, well, you know, that was, it was, it was pre-planned. Like yeah. the guy ordered it and I was like, well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago anyways. So, uh, let's not risk it getting broken in shipping and let's save money on shipping and I'll just bring it to you. That's insane. That's so, awesome. I that love was, that. That was pretty cool. Man. Yeah. I'm yeah, watching like when you're finger picking too, like just, you got that heavy thumb. Like it almost sounds like a pick itself. Like I, I was like looking for a second to see if you had one of those thumb picks on because I was like, man, like every time you hit <laughs> that, hit that, uh, E string, like it's just like this, like 
it's like a full-on strum like it's crazy and i was like jesus christ like i had to rewind it a couple times and be like is he playing with one of those fucking uh thumb picks no way dude there no, it is but, no thumb oh, pick oh anyway but so getting back on track from the ass kissing but the um uh <laughs> So, like I said, you sold an amp there. I mean, when did you get an interest in in tinkering around with with electronics? Was that all along with me, like fixing pedals yeah. or fixing guitars as you were going through your your growth there? Yeah, um, you know, there were there were parallel tracks between my music interest and my interest in in really science in general, but. Um, so going back to my dad, when he was still at home, he was a model train buff. And so he had an entire room that was like a model train display. So from a very early age, I was soldering up controllers and putting together track and wiring up control panels and and all this stuff to make the trains run and, you know, installing little indicator lights. And I just love that stuff. So when it came time to being in a punk band with a bunch of kids that didn't have any money, um, most of our gear was broken a lot. And so I was kind of the kid that figured out how to fix it because it was familiar to me. Um, <clears throat> and then when I was in college, uh, so my degree is actually in music composition and theory, uh, but I was very fortunate that my main uh, my main composition professor also ran the electronic music lab. And so he sort of encouraged me to, to, uh, sort of explore that side of music and build little mixers and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, then I just kept going and kept, kept getting into it. And, and for a while I actually, my I made a living as a studio engineer and uh, I was getting really frustrated with guitar amp sounds. And, you know, I'd have like a $5,000 microphone in front of this cabinet and a $2,000 digital converter. And I was like, why does this sound terrible? This, this is like the nicest gear. And then it kind of dawned on me that if, if the amp sounds terrible, it's not going to ever get any better. And so that's when I started opening up amps and digging around. And that was, you know, that was about 99, 2000. And then I just started working on amps and working on friends amps. And then the word got around. And, and about that time there was a guy around here, which was kind of the tube amp guru that shut up shop. And so there's this giant hole for repair work and, and it just kind of fell on top of me. And at one point I was working on an amp, like in my bedroom and I couldn't sleep on my bed because there were parts all over it. And that's the point when I thought maybe I should open a shop. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that was, you know, uh, I, I paid my first rent check on the shop in 2008. So that was, you know, 14 years ago. And that's how long uh, the shop's been going. Wow. Dude, see that? I don't know if we're related or not. My mom was a train freak and model train freak, whole room, train layout, all that wow. stuff. Like there's so many, 
this happens every once in a while where there's a ton of similarities. But uh, I I see I see where you would get that from, and and uh, I never got into that side of it. I always I was like I'm doing music, which is funny because I never got into the back end side of things or anything until doing this podcast. And I'm like, oh, now I need to figure out how to record stuff after making multiple oh, yeah. records. Like it was like I I've, I've always been on the other side of the glass. But I never wanted to see how things worked. I knew what tones mm-hmm. I wanted. I knew how to get them, but I didn't know how to make them. And uh, yeah, that's fascinating. You you went that route, and and dude, the your amps sound insane. Like you figured <laughs> out you. what you wanted. Like it's you got it. Like it's yeah, it's amazing. I think I think I think that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's great to hear that you like them. I think. Um, the negative side of the work that I put out, you know, the amps and pedals that I make is that I only build stuff that I see a need for that I want to play. I'm not actually very good at marketing. So if you notice, a lot of my designs are very simple. Um, and I, you know, I, I have no interest in like building 25 amps and trying of, of a certain model and trying to sell them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm much more interested in working one-on-one with somebody and, and the stuff that I build for myself, it's just like, well, this is what I want to play. And, and, you know, it's like, I think in general, people want more features on their amps than I usually offer because more bells and whistles to me just equals more trouble and more, you know, potential loss of tone. Yep. And all the things that, as an amp technician and a guitar player, those two things are very important to me. So I don't see a point in having a four-channel amp with 17 EQ knobs and all this stuff. Like, um, So, um, you know, I, 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 I did a fair amount of experimentation to end up where I am now, but... Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think... I think the people like people are sort of split on the stuff that I make that's out there because of, you know, because of that. Well, I mean, here's, here's what we should do. Uh, we should start marketing this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have a platform and, uh, I believe in the stuff you're doing and I've got some folks that, uh, even on the network that, uh, there's an awesome podcast called the tone mob. And uh, mm. Blake lives here in Portland, and and he, his show is kind of like mine, to where it's it's more conversational, but he also is a, like a, a gear guy, like he's focused on the gear and digging into, you know what mm. what you're into, what you're doing, and he he's I mean he's got it's called the tone uh, the tone shack where he records in his house. It's like a uh, a big shed or the tone shed. Shred, shred, shed. I can't say that. It's too, uh, but he, you need to check out that show because he, I could, I could have you go on there. Like that would be an awesome way to, to really explain what you're doing huh. from a, from a gear side. And he's got tons of gear, uh, sponsors and stuff that, that sends stuff to the show. Um, I, I think, I think that might be something cool we could do, but, uh, we can yeah, chat about that, that later, cool. but, um, yeah, if that's what you're not good at, uh, definitely we could we could. Well, uh, you know the thing you know. the thing is like I'm I'm not good at it, but I don't know if I want to be good at it. like like I said I don't like my goal in life is not to run an amp company. Sure, you know like yeah. 
uh, my bread and butter is definitely in the shop anyways, is definitely repair work and custom modification and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. if people enjoy my amps and buy them and, and I've, you know, I've sold quite a few at this point, but, um, to me, it makes them more special because each one is kind of like a, 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 a little creation I made for someone. And exactly. I like that, you know, exactly. I a hundred percent agree yeah. with that. And that's, that's the that's the best thing. The guitar I'm using right now is one that was made for me by a, a listener of the show, uh, with the aluminum neck and everything, which I'd never <laughs> used before. And oh, cool. I have it with a custom strap made by my, my buddy uh, Ryder, and I'm mm-hmm. playing it through an amp I sold, you know, ten years earlier, and came back to me on Craigslist randomly when I found it again. <laughs> so Whoa, when I strap awesome. that shit on, I feel so in love. Because I'm playing yeah. something handmade by a friend, hold it held on to me by something made by a friend through something that if you love it, set it free and it came back. So uh, I completely understand that you know that that uh, uh, that's, that's awesome sentimentality there. And, and so you this this uh, it's called Big Crunch, right? Yeah, that's the name of the shop, Big Crunch. It's also the name of the amps and pedals that I make. Yeah, and you so you and you and Shauna both run this shop yeah yeah she she um we're both techs at the shop um so we both we both do amp work uh we used to do guitar work also but we sort of absorbed uh a good friend of mine who's a luthier and so he does all the guitar work now so we just do amps and we just uh we've just sort of changed our policy that we're just doing tube amps which is fantastic because yes. I'm tired of working on solid state stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shauna does is a tech and, and does more of the management stuff. And uh, I'm also a tech and I do more of the like custom work. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of my day job, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. especially lately since I haven't toured in almost a year now, which is insane. Yeah, that um, is insane. <laughs> yeah, the last show that Warren Women played was at Fest, which was right around Halloween last year, and it's coming up on Halloween again. Wow. And it's, uh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, absolutely. And you mean you're, and you're, you're a father, so you've got, and so mm-hmm. you said almost 17? Yeah, yeah, she's she's creeping up on seventeen. And so, tell me about that. Tell me about. I mean, we've we've heard of your about your upbringing and and things you went through that way. As a father uh-huh. yourself, do you find yourself, uh, you know, do you fall into some of the habits that maybe your dad had, or do you shy so far away from that um, that it's almost non-existent? Yeah, I th- I mean, I think I, I think I knew pretty early on that I never wanted to be, I never wanted to be like my dad was to me, you know? Yeah. So if, if, if any sort of good thing came out of it is, is it made me like try to be a really good dad. And, uh, so, and, you know, and, and my touring life worked out in such a way that, <clears throat> uh, my previous band was touring pretty heavily. And then, it kind of died down right about the time that my daughter was born and we'd we'd go off, you know, infrequently, but for most of her early life, I I was like her main caregiver and I was with her all the time. And, 
um, you know, up until about she was like six years old. So it was really fantastic quality time to have with my daughter when she was really young. And we really formed a strong bond, um, you know. And then as she got busier and busier with school, then sort of that's when War on Women started taking off. And it just it, it just worked out uh, really well. And it was just total uh, total chance that it happened that way. Um, but, uh, but I'm glad that it did. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, um, yeah. Is, and, are, is, is your, is your, um, are they into music? Like music and, and playing or she, just. She's kind of like passively into music. She, she, she played violin for a little bit. She plays a little bit of guitar. And she enjoys music a lot, but she, she doesn't really, she, she's nothing like I was when I was her age. I was just like music, music. I want to, any, any free chance I get, I want to be at the piano or I want to be listening to something. She, she's kind of just a passive music fan and she, she has bands that she likes and, but you know, she's, she's nothing like I was, but that's, you know, obviously totally fine. Um, um, she's, she's really, uh, kind of a science kid, which is great. Um, okay. so I'm really encouraging that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Man, that's incredible. Who, who knows? That's yeah. the, the, there's such a good bond, I mean, bond between music and science and musicians and science. I just had Milo from yeah. the descendants on right before you, we were talking oh, cool. science. So it's like. Uh, it's yeah. something that's, uh, yeah, just, it's, it's all, um, cerebral where it's, yeah, it's sure. just, a, a such a common, common ground. I mean, maybe not, uh, academics and music go together with being a passion for people, but, um, what comes out of it, creation, you know, and, uh, sure. it's so cool. Um, well, what are you up to now then? Like what, what, I mean, of course, things are going crazy in the world, but you've got you you're just working on amps. I mean, are you guys uh, you guys got a new record coming out? Um, yeah. So tell me about that because yeah. I don't. It's not something I usually talk about, but uh, it's really fucking well, good, and I want people well, to hear it. Th- this year, as you know, has been nuts, right? So, yeah. um, like I said, the last show we played was at Fest in, in Gainesville, and that was around Halloween last year. Um, and I, I also played bass in a band with, with Jay Robbins. And so we did a tour right after that. And so I think the last live show I played was maybe early December. Um, and then I was kind of like, Hey, everybody, let's, let's, we didn't have anything on the books yet. And, uh, for the early part of the year, we had a, we had a tour of Bad religion booked, um, but that didn't start till the spring. So, um, we were kind of like, let's run a new record. Um, and so we kind of, you know, camped out and worked on the new record. And luckily we booked studio time and recorded everything right before the shutdown. So we got everything finished. Um, and, uh, then, you know, I, I, I did a lot of the recording, um, and we recorded it at 
studio that's conveniently in the same building as my amp shop. Uh, and Jay, Jay Robbins and I sort of tag team the recordings. Um, and so I was able to, you know, mix it in isolation and, uh, and then it's, it's coming out like right before the day before Halloween, I think the digital release. And then the physical release is a different day because of the unknown factor of how soon vinyl's getting put out these days. So I think two weeks later, the vinyl gets put out. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it starts on all streaming platforms on the 30th of October. And this is 2020, by the way, for those listening in the future. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, I'm glad that we didn't push. We were thinking about maybe pushing it back because of the Bad Religion tour. I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with it. Like I'm always really self-critical, um, like I think most people are of their own work. But but uh, I gave it a listen the other day for the first time in maybe a month, and I was like, oh. Pretty cool, dude. It's really um, good. It's really. Oh good. yes, thank you, thank really you. Yes, good. you have the advanced copy. Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I actually, I don't know how uh, when when uh, Stephanie had had sent it. Um, it for some reason I get emails from her almost daily of of different stuff, <laughs> right? And and somehow yeah. she had sent the 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 new War on Women record to me probably a week and a half earlier before you got in touch with oh, me. Oh, that's funny. And it, but it didn't go to my regular folder. I had to go back. I went and did a search for it and like under all mail and it was there, mm-hmm. but I never saw it. So oh. I when she said she had sent it to me, you know, uh I was like, "Oh crap, she sent it to me twice." Then. But uh so I was able to go listen to it right away, which was awesome after it, cool. before she even got it to me the second time. And uh Oh, that's well that's cool. Dude, it's killer. We're going to have to we're going to have to put this out then on the on the 30th. Um, yeah, I think we can do that. Let's we can put it. in a special, uh, uh, special release for this on a Friday. Cause we usually do it Tuesdays and sometimes on Thursdays, uh, yeah, cool. we can make Friday work. No problem. <laughs> Cause people need to check this record well, out. Cause it's awesome. And, and hearing us talk about, you know, your guitar playing and everything. I mean, that's the perfect example of it right there. If they have not heard war on women yet and, um, and hear that, that tone I'm talking about that, that, uh, composition i'm talking about and the cool thing is the the funny thing is we'll have to do a part two because you if you got your degree in composition and theory you know how to explain the things i'm trying to explain (laughs) (laughs) in actual terms because i'm doing all this like visceral kind of uh imagery of what i'm hearing but you know what it's actually called and and uh, well where it comes from you know i'm i try not to be a snob about it and really like like Talking about music is a funny thing in itself, right? Because music exists in the air and yeah. sort of giving words to it is, is a little, it's, it, you're never going to, you're never going to give it exactly the, the words you want, right? So, exactly. Um, you know, but I do, I do enjoy that people have come up with standards to talk about things. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that's all music theory is, is just, 
agreed upon terms so that people can talk about music and all understand what you're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, I try not to be a snob about it. I do, I do use sort of the theory of music, um, to create some of the things that you're talking about. You know, like if you, if you've just been playing bar chords for the whole song, like, and you know, that there's this thing called the inversion of a chord. Well, maybe try and try a different inversion of the chord. And all of a sudden the song sounds different or it sounds more rich, or maybe you don't like it as much, but when you give language to what you're doing, it's easier to manipulate it. And that's, and that's, you know, uh, what I try and use all the time is different ways to approach the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it's still it's still the same twelve notes, you know. <laughs> exactly, but it's how they're played. It's it's the the voicing behind it. It's the 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 airiness. Like there's always an airiness to some of the like where things just open up and and get huge, mm-hmm. and then they get driving and like punishing, and then just it's just like uh, yeah, it's like just a big fall. Like it, you're scared, and then you feel good, and then you're scared again, and sure. then you you know it's just like and maybe I'm, you know, like skydiving, like I'm, I'm twirling around right now and kind of freaking out and then it opens up and I'm just in this moment and it, yeah, it's just a series of mo- great moments strung together. Um, sure. And it's, it's and, you know, and if, and if you know what you're doing, it also helps you from repeating yourself, which is something that I consciously try and like every record Warren women does. We, we, we consciously try and not do the same record again. And, and, so if you sort of know what you've done, if you can, if you can put language to the music that you've created, well, then you won't do the same thing again. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, and I hear some of my favorite bands fall victim of that. And so I don't want to do that. But it's also incredible when you hear somebody that is not trained, that doesn't know what they're doing, but just has that has the natural ability to not repeat themselves. That's, that's what's always inspiring and incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah, that's we're getting off on a whole soul. nother thing. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've, so, uh, well, Brooks, dude. So I, I, I try and straddle both sides is what I'm saying. You do a great job. You absolutely do. And it's, it's, uh, oh, I, I mean, you can that. hear, you can hear the, uh, um, it's not like, there's friends of mine that, that, you know, oh, you want a sad song? Okay, I'm going to write it like this because they know where to go on the guitar. They know which notes to pull from. They know it's mechanical. And it sounds different than someone that has that inspired, um, you know, uh, visceral approach. And well, so it's sure, cool. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, because sometimes, even if you're doing something technically the right way, it doesn't sound right. It's not exciting. And to me, to me, it's like, I always want to go the exciting route, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm sure there've been many band practices my bandmates can tell you about where I'm having like an internal breakdown because I'm like, well, it should go like this, but it doesn't sound good in practice. Why doesn't this work? You know? (laughs) And people are just like, uh, so, uh, you know, I do, I do, I'm very conscious of that. Like, I never want to get too nerdy that, that we just sound like, uh, 
like a prog band, you know, and, and I'm not, I have nothing against prog bands, prog metal. I love that stuff, but it's not necessarily something you walk around whistling to yourself, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's the part about too, is how catchy what you're doing is, even though it's, it's sometimes brutal and blunt and, and in your face, it's also like, it's in your head. It doesn't, it doesn't leave your head. And that's, that's very kind, dude. It's awesome. And I'm so stoked. Um, I'm so stoked we got to do this, man, because, um, you know, I now know a lot more about you. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that because now I can take that. And, and when I'm listening, I can put that to, to, to what I'm hearing. And hopefully, you know, everyone listening out there will, will, uh, check out the new record and, and, and look for what I'm talking about when they watch you play. And, um, you know, hopefully, Hopefully uh, we can do a part two eventually because I I really enjoyed this, man. Cool. Yeah, I'm totally down, and I really appreciate uh, you reaching out, and I'm glad we, we touched base again. And uh, and I, I guess I'm really grateful for to Jim Ward for uh, for really introducing us. So that's yeah, me too. <laughs> but but don't don't tell him that. I don't want him to get a big head. I won't. Yeah, well, we got to keep him. We got to keep him humble. He's such a jerk, you know. He's <laughs> just the yeah, so, just a total know. dick, just pompous. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, this was this was fun. I don't, I don't actually. Well, especially these days, I don't often get a chance to just talk to somebody for a while about anything, really. So yeah, this is cool, dude. I would love to do this again when we have like way more time too, because there's a lot of different places I want to go. Uh, with you and and talk about it. and and so let's let's keep that on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're you're at in Seattle. I'm in Portland, Portland, Oregon. I'm sorry, Portland. Well, well, we we play Portland a lot when we're actually out there. So, dude, maybe in next person, time we're awesome. on tour, we can meet up. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, brother. Well, uh, yeah. Shoot me, shoot me the audio when you can. I'll I'll text you the email address. Uh, or maybe I yeah. did I give it to you already? No, I'll text it to you anyway. Um. And then yeah, uh, I, yeah, we'll get this together and we'll put it out on the thirtieth, uh, so people can check out that new record and and hear what I'm talking cool, about. Man. Well, I I appreciate the chat. This was fun. It was good to to meet you. And, yes, uh, absolutely. You as well. And, yeah. Hope everything's going good. All right, my friend. We'll chat soon. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Enjoy your evening. All right. Yeah. You too. Take care, man. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Brooks Harlan from War on Women. This band is absolutely fantastic, and I love just how uh, it all just comes together. It's really great, and it's it's uh, a band I'm super into right now uh, and have been and since, uh, yeah, since, since hearing them. So uh, Wonderful Hell is the new record they have out, and uh, so go check that out. It's out on Bridge Nine, and... Uh, just yeah go check it out it's great um anyways so without further ado guys i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up because i know um we got a lot going on and it's just gonna be a a crazy time so um try to take care of each other try to uh you know uh have peaceful conversations and you know we'll get through all this together we're gonna see what's gonna happen i'm saying this preemptively because who knows what's gonna happen i know what i want to happen uh, which I'm sure lines up with a lot of you guys, but this is not a political show. Um, you know, this is uh, this is a a way to communicate with people and and uh, 
you know, disseminate information and, and stories and laughs and sadness and whatever. Anyways, um, so I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to get out of here. You guys enjoy the week. Please take care of each other. I know I've said it 10 times already, but just be be uh, mindful of each other. And uh, yeah, just, just take care of each other. All right, guys. I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And we will be back on Tuesday the 10th with another badass episode. And hopefully we're in, in a whole nother world. All right, guys. As always, we'll see you on the radio. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.